Um, welcome back, Dreadfuls. You're listening to another episode of Left for Dread, the horror podcast for everyone who's newbies to fanatics. We are not a spoiler-free podcast, so make sure you've seen the movie or movies we're talking about before you listen. I'm one of your hosts, right? And I'm your other host, Chris. Right? Are you full of steam? I'm full of steam. I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait. No, steam's a bad thing. Steam's real bad. Shine, full of shine. Uh, in case nobody understood that reference, we were talking about Doctor Sleep from 2019 today. And I think that this is a breath of fresh fucking air after the Shining episode again. It's, yeah. It's weird, because, like, I, I, I'm going to bury the lead here. I really, really enjoyed Doctor Sleep. I was very surprised. So did I. I was so surprised. Yeah, because this is the first time other of us were watching it, and it's it was it was such a fresh breath of air, and like I felt like I felt like it did or it, it's it, it accomplished what The Shining meant to do, and like it, it provided all this strange supernatural um, elements, like classic uh, that are that are uh, emblematic and classic tropes you see in Stephen King film. But like, it really made me tense. Like I, I shot the shining, I, you know, you, I can write it off as with it being so culturally baked into society and the pop culture zeitgeist and, and just like general pop culture language and, and imagery. But like, I don't know. I mean, it, like Dr. F- Dr. Sleep just made, Everything about like not just like Stephen King, but like just the specifically like the Overlook Hotel and and all like the weird mythology it just made it really, really fresh and new and unexpected. And I, I the it's a, it's a long movie. It's like two and a half hours. And if it went by so quick. Mm-hmm. And if you did what I did, which is watch the director's cut, there's three hours. <laughs> Of Doctor Sleep, yeah. what are you doing? Uh, lots of good vibes. So before we get too thick into the weeds, um, let's provide some context. So, right, I know you barely scratched the book, but I feel like you have more knowledge than I in general about like the backstory and what's like Doctor Sleep's general connection to The Shining. The Shining, specifically for people who have never seen Doctor Sleep, because it's fairly new. It's a fairly recent movie, and like you and I haven't watched it until now. And I feel stupid for not watching it in theaters because I would have loved to see this on the big screen. On a big screen, this would have been absolutely fucking incredible to watch. So, uh, Doctor Sleep is the sequel to The Shining, and I think I read somewhere that Stephen King got the idea for it when someone was like, so what happened to Danny Torrance after The Shining? And he was like, well, shit, I never explored this. Let's do it. Um, And what I'll say for the movie and for the book, and again, Chris is right, I barely scratched the the surface of the book. It is, like a lot of King books, it's quite meaty and... This isn't to say that I'm not going to read it. I absolutely am, and I will update you guys like when I'm done or as I read it. Um, I just, there was no time <laughs> to read it in three days because I work on the weekends. So <laughs> I just like, I couldn't do it. But the the biggest thing that I picked up on is that 
the book is a true sequel to the book and the movie is a true sequel to the movie. And what I mean by that is, is the events that were true in the book are, are true in the sequel of the of the novel and the events that were true in the movie are true in the book are true in the in in dr sleep so when someone says oh well i thought that they blew up the overlook at the end of the shining in the book they did and that's where the book picks up from the book uh everything that nothing gets changed um and i sort of so mike flanagan did a really great job of taking how they ended the the shining the movie and picking up where it left off so those differences that chris and i sort of just like shat on the movie for having mike flanagan does a really good job of of keeping the continuity of that to the point where like as i was watching dr sleep it's like i remember being so angry at all of these choices but in the world of dr sleep it makes sense and maybe it's just because it was a a better movie i don't i don't know um i don't know how true a lot of this stuff is uh to the book because again i didn't finish it um but as i go along i will just update everyone uh because i am really excited to, to read so from what i read or researched like the movie is a fairly good and accurate adaptation yeah adaptation or interpretation of the book and but i what you 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 remark on a great point where the film while it does take you know a lot of influences from the book it like doesn't stray away from the shining as if oh no we don't want to we don't want to make the shining too we don't want to like it kind of like leads into it and it it takes everything that the movie did and what Kubrick did as canon but then it it expands on it um and it's I I don't quite know how to put it right but like overall it, it like Dr. Sleep gives Shining what it didn't have it gave it a soul it gave it like a really really strong emotional arc where you really begin to care and to understand and um, see the depth of like these many characters, like especially for Danny Torrance, because like it, it's like the perfect setup. It's like I think I don't know how they establish it in the book. I remember at the end of The Shining, there is a, an excerpt from Doctor Sleep, and it's definitely not at the beginning that I read. But it's it, it's probably towards the beginning, and it talks about Danny Torrance being an alcoholic and being a drunk, just like his father. Yeah, and then that totally tracks with, um, you know what what would happen in real life. If I went through that as a kid, I'd drink too. Yeah, this is when he was like only five freaking years old. Danny Torrance, you like five? I think it was. I I don't remember. It was like you know, take an average of six. Like he, incredibly young. And these demons, these demons followed him, uh, you know, when um, when they moved away from the Overlook Hotel, you know, whether literally like literal spirits were following him, which what which did happen, at least in the film. I'm not sure how the book illustrated it, but even without the spirits, like, you know, that's a that's experience. You can't really 
forget um, and you would need years of therapy and it, it became it became this like this kind of dramatic tragic irony where you know Danny in order to cope with the all the horrors especially the horrors inflicted by his father he in a way became a reflection of his father and then that's and then he chronicles like his truly descent into rock bottomness like uh his complicitness and um and self-destructive behavior caused the death of a of a mom and her kid and 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 it's also like a story of redemption it's a story of of like him not just bottling up bottling up or numbing the pain like he finds release he finds a peace and a acceptance and a sort of empowerment over his own powers and like his his shining powers as well as the empowerment of his own demons and he uses it for good you know he uses it to you know not only like save an innocent girl but to like redeem like um set to rest all the other people that this evil cult did and and put us end to this cult you know that was wreaking havoc and um i don't know that's a long way of saying that it provided like this really um, profound um like emotional arc which i feel like really i mean i, I like, we, we all know how much stephen king has dealt with drug abuse and substance abuse and alcoholism and and all that jazz and you know we talked about how that was a major influence on misery and i you know i i can't say for sure but like i want to i i feel like dr sleep and the emotional growth that danny torrance goes through is somewhat autobiographical as well i love that and like i i the shining to me didn't have that as strong as a core and it it, it looked pretty it looked it's cinematically beautiful but like it wasn't enough to like made me realize why so many other people liked it it just to me it just seems overhyped and i feel like with dr sleep like this is appropriately hyped yes i get i get it i get it why like the the shining world mythos is so great and it took me dr sleep to like tease it out and like add new a new perspective to it i honestly i think my biggest issue with Dr. Sleep when it first came out was I was so judgmental of Dr. Sleep because I I think somewhere in the back of my brain I was like I don't even want to read the book because I don't want to be disappointed again because I don't want them to do to Dr. Sleep what they did to The Shining so I just sort of stayed away from it I was pleasantly surprised and mad at myself for not having seen this sooner Chris there were moments where I was fucking like cheering at the screen and just like sitting there like a kid in a fucking candy store just like overcome with joy at how well it was done it was just it was so good it was so good it's only two years after the fact but I felt like a lot of people had your reaction or something akin to it because apparently um the movie the movie's budget was pretty high like 
45 to 55 mil. And then on its initial release in October 2019, or, or November um, 2019 in the United States, its box office was only 72.3 million. So that's like, that's like, a, that's like 15 million profit. And, um, and even despite that, like it, it got a really, a lot of really positive reviews. And I found it interesting that, um, not like, like it's kind of like a sleeper hair or maybe, maybe in a few years time, like Dr. Sleep will achieve cult classic status. Cause, um, it definitely picked up more attention and more, uh, hype when, it started hitting streaming platforms, you know, just last year. I also think I was just like super suspicious of Ewan McGregor as Danny Torrance. I found myself going like, really? That's who you picked? Not because of his acting skills. The man is an incredible actor. But I was just like, really? Kind of like how I felt about James McAvoy playing um, Bill in the movie It. I was so suspicious and he was the one that surprised me the most because I wasn't concerned about anybody else in that cast. Everybody else was pretty much like on brand. He was the only one I was worried about. And I was so surprised by how much it just like it, it ended up making sense in my head. I was like, Oh yeah, I can buy this. This movie, this movie is so filled with so many surprises, like the casting, like obviously like even, even McGregor, like, you know, a legend, but, um, uh rebecca ferguson as rose the hat or rosie the hat like i'd never heard of her before but like i loved her she played such a delicious villain i was obsessed with her while she was on screen i thought you you said it perfectly she was a delicious villain i loved every second of her on screen even though i knew she was the bad guy you, you know what she reminded me a lot a lot of this is like the second time her Referencing her like Agatha from WandaVision. She gave me serious Agatha vibes, like just so, so, so snarky, so full of bite, but like still terrifying, you know, ultimately as like, um, gosh, you know, super charismatic. And then you have, uh, Kali Curran who played Abra or Abra. Um, and she was awesome. He was surprising too. But in but again in in a good way, um, I'm gonna jump right to the end because that was my favorite cameo in existence. The guy that played Jack Torrance for the end and for some of the flashbacks um, was from Haunting at Bly Manor, was from Haunting of Hill House, and is Elliot from E.T. Oh no way! It's Elliot from E. Fucking T. Yeah. So that just all, and his acting was superb. It's like he still made it his own, but you knew it was supposed to be Jack Nicholson. It was pretty convincing. It was a pretty good. It was, I thought he did an amazing job between him as, as Jack Torrance, as Lloyd behind the bar to the bathroom scene. All of these things that were identical to what you see in The Shining, but it was done in the doctor sleep way it just like again just creates more brownie points for this film as a whole i i i was sitting there just like grinning from ear to ear for three hours like and i was very skeptical when i started this movie i really was i was not i was ready to hate it 
You know, there was another great cameo. Um, Danny Lloyd, the original Danny Torrance, appears in the film as well. Uh, he's one of the gu- he's one of the spectators at the baseball game. Yes, yes, I think <laughs> wasn't he billed as a spectator? I think he was. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't even like it wasn't himself, but. They they recreated Mike Flanagan like recreated the scenes from the Overlook Hotel like meticulously. I know he got everything from the uh, Cooper Estate, but everything was so meticulous I couldn't be mad at it. Like even the, like the slight deviations that that you inevitably have to do. Again, everything just sort of like made sense. And I'm talking like small, minute, like trivial shit. Like his bike wasn't the same color. And probably, I don't think neither was his outfit, but like, that doesn't matter. You still understood what the fuck was going on. Yeah, I mean, I think Mike Flanagan, like, you know, like any director or creator who is lucky enough to, you know, do do a sequel for one of the, one of the most hyped, most well-known, most critically panned movies of all time, you know, it's like the, it's like, it's like Star Wars, you know, you want to appease the old fans, but you also want to bring something new and push the, for you, the, push the story forward. And I think he did that with such incredible... It's, it's like the greatest magic trick ever, because, like, he took, like, the, the house that Kubrick built and then just, like, gave it so much personality. And, and then Kubrick is lauded for a lot of his experimental and groundbreaking techniques on the film and like when you're watching Flanagan's movie yeah obviously there's like a lot of a lot of special effects but like the way they did it is like holy shit this is this is really cool shots like I've never seen anything like this before which is something that you I think is really important when you're making a film just to like twist the audience's imagination take on a ride so like I feel like to like all the scenes where they're doing ESP and like like astral projection, they just d- did it in this incredibly fascinating way. Where like the room, like this is like kind of like Inception, Doctor Strange, where the room flips on its axis, and or you know when you're following something, someone, it, it's like they they put a camera on a dolly and just move it really slow, and it kind of goes back to those dolly shots with uh kubrick um there's like one shot where uh like abra's following rosie as she's through the supermarket and it's like she's following in this very super like steady shot but like i don't they must have did something with like the like the the i guess like how many frames they were shooting per second because it was like moving fast and slow at the same time so it looks so surreal um and even like the super something as simple as like the creepy shining eye effects of of like the the cultists like i thought that was super cool and then and then the other extreme you have like everyone de- decomposing into um into mist and it's just it looks so classic yet so vibrant at the same time it's like it's like a miracle i like i very impressed with like the special effects graphics team and like the direction um 
because like it, it was co- incredibly convincing and it sold it sold to me how weird and otherworldly especially the, the other look hotel it was like i had like a i, I literally got chills because like i like i've seen i've seen the overlook hotel it's like okay yeah but like here like the way they treat it like that like just that entire montage or that entire segment where your mcgregor is just walking through and like the lights are turning on in reaction to them it's like holy shit that's like that's really ominous. That's really cool. Like now, now I get why the Overlook is like. It was like the hotel was coming back to life for him. Yes, I was like, that is such a cool, mundane, but amazing trick. It's like just getting freaked out with lights just turning on slowly. That that is so cool. It's absolutely incredible. And I think so. Rose the Hat and that entire little like group really. Um, really fucked with my head but in the best way possible i loved everything that they did i think that the effects that they did like you said for the traveling and all of that it was just like it was really really mind-blowing what they achieved in this movie i think the part that i enjoyed the most was like the tasteful homages that they did to the shining that didn't make you feel like it cheapened the movie was you got these little bits and pieces from the original that like i said before sort of made sense and were okay because they existed in this doctor sleep universe and i think one of my favorite moments was when danny is staring into the mirror and the mirror because the wall has cracked behind him and the mirror says red rum and you turn around and it says murder on the wall. And it's the total reverse of what you see in The Shining. It was just like little things like that. And I was just so blown away by what they achieved in this movie. Like 100%. It's really great. It's a really good movie. <laughs> it's just... I, I mean, I... When I went to go... so. This is available on on HBO Prime for all of you out there and who don't know. And when I went to go watch it, I saw that there was when you click on the movie, there is an option for you to watch the theatrical cut, which is two and a half hours. Or there's an option for you to watch the director's cut, which is three hours. Now, I don't because I didn't sit down and watch the two and a half hour version after that. I can't tell you what the difference is. Like, I don't know what's missing and what isn't. And you got probably an extra 30 minutes of really awesome stuff with, with like the coal or maybe maybe some more stuff of like extended scenes maybe yeah or maybe more stuff with like Ewan McGregor talking to his ghost or walking through the overlook um the the beats that they had with Dick were also just super on point and actually quite incredible to watch as well like, I, again, like, at the beginning of the book, so Dick Hollering in the book never dies, right? So at the beginning of Dr. Sleep, all of those moments in the movie where you see him talking to Dick, but Dick's not there, is very much a real presence in the book. Like, they can get him on the phone and he comes to visit, but everything else is very true. Like, the scene in the Florida apartment and the bathroom and all of that, that happens at the beginning of the book as well. Just there are little minor differences, and I'm actually really 
kind of happy that they stuck with that they didn't just erase the first movie and do the sequel as it exists as the book they combined both of them in a really awesome way that made sense yeah they 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 kept they kept it canon that dick died um um but you know it just establishes um how pervasive and how strange the power of the shining is because he's still continues to talk to Danny uh, a couple of times and he's kind of like the the final the final push that he gives Danny like a reason like you got you 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 got to help Abra like I died trying to protect you so pay it forward you know help this girl like you know so you you can help her like with her own demons and you could like find some absolution within yourself you can and and um, and he does like he goes back to the Overlook and confronts his like his worst nightmare, and he comes out on the better side. Like um, you know, it, it's it's it, it it was a happy ending, and I didn't feel mad about it. It felt the happy ending was really earned. That uh, you know, Denny Denny did everything he can to protect. His his new charge, and he's like, you know what? Yeah, I'm okay with this, and I'm gonna take down this horrible place, this horrible woman, and uh, I'm gonna make life better. Even though there's still like, it gives you like a little bit of like a a little bit of foreboding, kind of like foreshadowing. Yes, there's still darkness out there. There's still others like Rosie out there, and whether or not she was just bluffing or trying to get the last laugh in, we don't know. But it ends on a hopeful note, and I was really happy about that. I was like, I was like "This is—I uh, felt like, yeah, yeah, Danny deserves a happy ending." And like Abra, I'm glad that Abra didn't turn out the same way as Danny did, like where she's not like gonna be so psychologically scarred or, or, or self-destructive. Um, and I think that I think what's also cool—it's kind of like a neat reflection of foil. Unlike uh, Danny and his mom, Danny even even on her deathbed, like he could never, he couldn't even face her or or face his his own doubts, anxieties to like open up about his abilities. And um, you know, his mom knew something was wrong. Um, and but here with with Abra, Abra, am I pronouncing it wrong? Abra. I think it's Abra. Abra, uh, Abra just is fully full like a hundred percent like full disclosure with her mom and her mom like comes to peace with it as well she's like oh yeah um that's great that's that that dad is doing okay and her mom her mom has seemed to have come to peace with all these weird things and you know she accepts that you know it's beyond her comprehension but like it doesn't make it any less true and i think that's a really really like inspiring motivational and um endearing way to like just have a relationship with your kid rose the hat i think she's probably my favorite villain next to annie wilkes not gonna lie yeah she was just the such a fun villain to see her work and like i love how i mean she deserved it um and actually that kind of that kind of leads it to like hands down my favorite scene was like the weird astro projection battle she 
and um, Abra had, and it was really she interesting. Fucks up her hand. Yes, and it, and like she was like, "Oh, I laid a trap," uh, and then she was stealing secrets from her own cathedral brain. And since I'm such a weeb, like I, I was, I, I, I was waiting for like the, the payoff, like because when you when you first see early teenager or teenager Abra, like. Like they, 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 the first shot you see of her is like it starts panning down. She's asleep, and you see an anime figure uh, on her nightstand. And I was like, "Oh, I, they're gonna pay this off." And then you see all around the room uh, are posters for a show called Ruby. Now, Rye, have you heard of Ruby? No, but I'm excited for this education you're about to give me because I can, I can feel you revving up for something. Okay. Okay, so this is yes, I can talk about anime again. Yes, uh, so so uh, Ruby is this incredibly amazing um CGI anime, um, first created by this super talented um animator named Monty Ohm. But rest in peace. He passed away. Uh, ooh, I think like 2013, 2014. No, no, I think this. I think I'm getting it wrong. Hold on. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So uh, it first premiered in 2013. Um, but Monty Ohm passed away. I want to say maybe in the last five years. Um, and it's it's. Such an incredible loss because he was extremely, extremely talented. Like I used like uh, back in uh, late late high school, early college. Uh, I used to watch like his very, very early um, YouTube videos. Were were just like this guy's awesome, and he should be paid to do this, and he was. And he he has his own incredibly popular uh, series called Ruby, and the basic premise is. Um, uh, it's like a modern fantasy world, uh, following four teenage girls. Um, and so Ruby is spelled R R R W B Y, but it's pronounced Ruby. And the letter stands for the, f- or Ruby stands for the first letter of each of the main characters. Um, yeah. And then these girls are going to this. Uh, they're, they're basically trained to become expert monster hunters, and they save the world from like these dark creatures so it's kind of like kind of like modern dark fantasy um incredibly amazing talent great character development really compelling stories fight scene choreography literally off the chain uh and like a classic anime style like really crazy over the top like abilities and weapons and stuff um and so uh i I haven't seen all of Ruby, so I had to like look this up. But like, it makes perfect sense because like, like um, Abra's room had like Ruby posters all over uh the her walls, and then there's this figurine of like this dark skinned, green haired uh, character uh, or the figurine, um, and her the character's name is Emerald uh, Sustri, and her whole shtick or ability is to create like mass projection illusions um so but 
no, so basically, like she 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 could do like illusion magic, uh, and that's basically what Abra did in her fight with um, um, with Rosie. Like they had like this crazy astral projection illusion battle, uh, and even her even Abra's like illusionary avatar form, like she had no eyes, and her you, you see she's wearing like a bluish green wig with super straight hair that's like straight straight ripped off of uh emerald's character design and uh the fact that uh abra's actress is also an incredibly huge fan of ruby is just like this is just icing on the cake um and apparently um warner media which is the parent company that produce start to sleep is also the parent company that owns Rooster Teeth, which is the the animation entertainment company subsidiary that produces Ruby. So basically, Rooster Teeth provided all the swag to appear in Doctor Sleep because they were looking for ways for like both franchises and subsidiaries to like interact with each other. And then um, on top of that, another really nice um, icing on the cake moment. Is that uh like Rooster Teeth just gave uh her uh Abra's actress a shit ton of Ruby merch. That's uh, awesome. <laughs> so I was like, that's so cool. I was like, that's like that's 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 I know it's incredibly niche because I know like Ruby is very popular, but um I know maybe not it's it might not be like mainstream how the MCU is mainstream, but I find it really charming that something that's that niche from the anime, from it, from like from the anime fandom, shows up in like a like like in Doctor Sleep of all places. I was incredibly surprised about that, and I I, I find that really 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 cool. So I cr- kudos to everyone who you know set design or like plot wise, like just just snuck that little nugget in because that was very very. Uh, pleasant and surprising for that's me. fucking awesome um i think i'm kind of ashamed to admit this but i'm gonna do it anyway um i wholeheartedly agree with the ending and the way everything played out however because i sort of like fell in love with danny torrance and like watched him like struggle and then pick himself back up and like become a genuinely good person uh and use his gift for like good things i did not want him to die at the end of this <laughs> I was like, yes, we're gonna have a happy ending. Fuck, he's dead. I mean, I mean, and it's it's still happening its own way. I know, and everything's sort of like, like, like he became her her Dick Halloran. Like, I get it, and I think it's beautiful, and I think it really worked, and it meshed really well. Um, and I'm kind of hoping that I kind of get a mirror version of that, sort of like the way I've saw, I saw other things get mirrored between what I the little I read of the book. I kind of hope that that what they're going for in the book, maybe Danny lives at the end of the book, and we get that moment. I'm guessing maybe not, but I don't know. I'll let you know when I finish it. But like, there was a very small part of me that just like wanted him to continue to live this like happy life that he found for himself but you know i mean i mean not to be a debbie downer but could he have lived a normal life because like his best friend his best friend turned up is suddenly missing and dead in like that state park oh yeah well they would have to 
explain why they're there to like recovered alcoholics yeah okay well hmm. also like did they ever report the missing body of the kid and like they obviously left dna at the crime scene because both of them vomit i was fully expecting like the fbi or like the police that like to like take away danny and his friend they go to jail and then, like that's like the, the that's like the second act. Like they hit they they uh they they're like rock bottom for breaking them out of jail using The Shining. Yes, or stuff like that. Yeah, like the Shawshank Redemption. Like they use The Shining to like dig dig their way through two miles of shit, and they they save the day. I don't know, but, but I was like, I was like, hmm, okay, I'm I'm not sure where this is going because like they're. They're setting this up for failure a lot. <laughs> like, 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 like they took they they're tampered with a crime scene by by digging it up, and they have to explain why, like, one why they miss work, why are they missing, how did they know that the body was hit was there, even if even uh, I mean, assuming they reported it missing, I assume they they wanted to because you know the kid was missing for X amount of days or weeks or whatever. Um, but then they had to explain to police how or why, or the, you know, uh, a psychic girl told them where to find it. Oh, great, yes. Uh, please step this way and into this nice straight jacket. Right this way, sir. <laughs> and then I was, I was like so close, like, oh, this shit's gonna go down when like, like the uh, Abra called and then the mom picks up. There's a, a ton of police around. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think I think if for, not for anything, Danny er, avoided a lot of red tape and jail time. <laughs> I yeah yeah I think so. Okay, so one thing that I was sort of miffed about, but like only slightly, right? Um, Snakebite was probably my favorite of like the evil troop. And I was under this impression, based on how much they hyped her up at the beginning of the movie, I was under this impression that she was going to have a much larger role to play. And I felt kind of, like, shortchanged when they killed her, when they did in the film. I was like, well, that feels kind of cheap. Did she really have to die then? And then you watch the end of the rest of the movie and everything sort of, like, makes sense and pans out. And, like, everybody gets there, like, gets revenge, gets theirs, like, and I get it. I don't know. I, I think she earned the villain status killing Billy. I love Billy. I love Cliff Curtis. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm she absolutely earned villain status. I just thought that she was going to have a much bigger role in the film role than she did because they hyped her up so much. And I was like, is she going to be the last one standing even after shit goes down? Because like I knew Rose the Hat was going to die. Like, that was very clear to me. I was like, this is the showdown. It's going to be Rose the Hat and Danny. And I get that. And we got it. And it was it was so fucking awesome. It was such a nice touch to, like, have him in the room where Jack freaked out with the axe, with the typewriter, everything, the way it was set up. I thought it was so fuck like... You know, and then her, her ending up in the hedge mage, which was, like, a reflection of Danny's own mind. And it's like, that's so cool. And a mirror to the way Jack dies. Um, the actress that they got to play Danny's mom for the flashbacks, uh, especially with the flashbacks back at the Overlook when they redo the Here's Johnny, and I was like, oh shit, he's gonna stick his head in the door, and we're gonna have that whole moment, and 
or he's possessed by the house and he has like the same limp as Jack. And it's like, that's so cool. And he's running out and he's running out. He's limping after her, screaming her name the way he screamed Danny's name. Everything was just so perfect. There's so mirrored. many nods. And so many. Like, yeah. But it was so it was so good. But again, just like I think that the impression that I got as someone watching this movie for the first time and again, not having finished or really read the book was that the girl from the movie theater, Snakebite, was just going to be so much more, like, important. Like, I really thought she was going to yeah. be, like, the last one standing at the end, and I was like, oh, they're going to leave room for the non-existent third one that we're never going to get that's okay, that, like, she's still out there and so is Abra. Because Rose alludes to the fact that, like, she's not the only one, but without anybody else, like, left standing, it just sort of felt like, well, what the fuck? Not that I want... not. I'm not asking for another movie, by the way. I'm not asking for another movie. I don't want one. I'm yeah, the, now that you pointed out, they did give Andy like a lot of lip service in the beginning of the film. And then they, she just kind of dropped off as like a semi, like, not, like, like just like a generic lackey. Um, I mean, uh, I mean, you know, definitely in the second act, uh, it's more. Rosie and Crow Daddy driving like the main action, and then we don't really see her like flex her guns until the 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 shootout in the state park, and then she just dies. And that movie actually, like, now you think about uh, now that you put planted that seed, that'd be really cool if Andy got wounded and like she drove off and she's on the run, but like now. But she's still like out there. Yeah, like like a, like a like an epilogue or a post credit scene where like you see Andy like pull the bullet out of her own arm, and she and then she has like I don't know maybe maybe you have like a serial killer wall uh, with uh, 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 Abra's picture on it, and she's plotting to how to get Abra or something like that. That'd be really cool. Yeah, maybe I just thought that there was and again like. If that if that's a point that comes up in the book, because I think that this is like a, a huge pro and con of the way they did this movie, right? They did it as a direct sequel to the existing movie, which has nothing, which, as we've said, kind of really has nothing to do with the book. So you sort of you sort of do with what you have. So maybe in the universe of the book she has a much bigger role and maybe she still dies but she plays a bigger part than saw her play and like i don't know if there was any more of her in the version you watched than i watched i mean i the, the main scenes i saw with andy was like her the movie theater. the movie theater scene her induction into the cult the whole thing with the rabbit and the big shootout she drugs her Oh yes, yes, the rabbit scene. Yep, she's trying to drug her. Um, she gets which that scene fucked with my head too. I was like getting ready to go, like woohoo! And then Crow Daddy shows up, and she's been at the house the whole time, and I was like, Yeah, that was really cool. Um, and then, and then the scene where she comes out of the Winnebago, gets shot, then has Billy killed, and like, oh man, Cliff Curtis is one of my favorite actors, and so sad. Um, and then, yeah, that was pretty much it. I don't remember seeing 
Yeah, that was a, that was all the scenes I remember. So I don't know if she actually got any extra content. Nope, that was it. But again, like all that being said, this movie was still super amazing, super enjoyable. And I was really only, that was really the only part where I was just sort of like, oh, really? Well, all right, fine. Because there was still so much else to like get done that they did really well. So I wasn't like too mad at it. But as we're sitting here like talking about it, I can say that that kind of like, I, I was a little miffed at that. I was like, oh, you just, you hyped her up and she died. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, yeah. Um, I mean, but clearly the, the, I mean, Rosie, Rosie's the big bad all along, but I mean. Yes. Rosa Hat was definitely the biggest villain of all time, of not of all time, but like of this film and the actress that plays her did such an amazing job. And she, I don't know why I thought I had seen her before, but, and I looked at her IMDb page and I was like, I haven't seen any of this. So where do I know her from? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe she just has like, quote, I hate this. I hate this saying, but maybe she has like one of those faces. I was convinced I hadn't seen her somewhere before. Or, or. She steal. She stole another person's face. Enjoyed <laughs> the shit out of this. I was so. I was so impressed. I was so impressed, and yeah, I was just like thoroughly impressed with everything that they did in this movie. I. Yeah, it was very. It was very good. I don't own it, but I might have to. You should. I feel like of you of all people should have this so you can rewatch it as comfort food. Um. But yeah, I would. I you know what? That's weird that you say that because I found it oddly comforting to watch. Like I enjoyed the shit out of it, but I found it like oddly comforting to watch. And part of me knows that when I'm finished with the book, I'm going to take the time to like digest the book and then go back and watch it again. I mean, not just not just like this book, but like you should read all the Stephen King and rewatch this because I I I was reading through the trivia. There's so much. There's so many Easter eggs and nods and references, like like the fact that um, uh, Rosie Rosie called someone a pup, which was a reference to I think Jack Torrance also saying pup, and then um, Crow Daddy saying, or is it, it was either Crow Daddy or or Rosie who were saying they said something cause a wheel. Um, which is a line from the Dark Tower series, verbatim. Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I haven't, I haven't read all of King, so I'm sure there's a, a ton of references and nods that I missed. I mean, I have a decent collection, but I, I have by no means read everything. I, I think the big thing that I'm, like, waiting to conquer at some point is the Dark Tower series. We'll get there, but uh, yeah, I would give I'll give this movie five out of five shines. Um, I I think I I really yeah, I, did, I couldn't really that. find anything wrong with this film. Um, and e even for like I I I I don't even have like any real nitpicky stuff. I mean, obviously, like you know, it's it's fun to poke holes at, at logic. Oh yeah, Ewan McGregor or Danny, they he would have been arrested by now, but like he's dead, so he's in the afterlife, so it doesn't really matter. So, 
I mean, uh, so my my nitpicking is 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 Moo, and I don't know. It's just this movie was just it just took everything that was uh so striking and and bizarre and weird um about the shining and just gave it so much more emotional depth gave it like this really compelling story uh with this with these new generation of characters um it established like a great like a, another part of the weird Stephen King um supernatural mythos of uh and another reflection of like good versus evil and um and also a reflection of like self-destructive behavior and how to get over it and how to self-actualize yourself into a fulfilled being or at least like learn from your learn or grow from your own past mistakes or it's a dark and uh suspenseful truly terrifying movie but like it's still an ultimately like a a positive morality tale that ends in a really happy ending that it completely earns it i did not feel cheated by it one bit and the like just how it was executed so flawless how it just honors like both the book and kubrick and neither sacrificing each other but just like taking the best and like and just providing stuff you've never seen before honestly and um i really i really do hope that like a couple years time or a few years time this i i I could i'll call it right now this is gonna be a cult classic Uh, i was just so surprised at like how poorly quote-unquote it did at the box office but despite good reviews yeah, I think that again, like this is a generation of people who saw The Shining, and I'm gonna separate people who tore apart the movie because of their love for the book so much, versus the people who just probably wouldn't have seen Doctor Sleep because they have such a hard on for Kubrick. In a way, it doesn't surprise me that it didn't do well at the box office because I, I mean, I said it at the beginning of the episode. I was so jaded that I didn't want to go near this movie. And I'm sure there's a lot of that. Also, like, not everyone is, like, a fan of sequels, whether they're written by the the author they love or not. I But I do think that there was, there was definitely something in this movie for everybody. I thoroughly enjoyed the shit out of it. I'm probably going to buy it. Case closed. This was a great, great, great film. On that note. Thank you for listening to another episode of Left 4 Dread. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Everything helps. You can listen to us on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify every Friday. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Left 4 Dread Pod. You can find us on Facebook, and you can check us out on our website at leftfordread.com. Yes, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, let us know if uh, you're an avid fan of the book, and maybe maybe there's some things you liked or didn't like about the book, because like Ryan and I have it. You know, I I haven't touched the book yet. Rye's still working with it, so I'm very very curious to, to hear anyone's thoughts about it, uh, wh- about the book, or even your reactions to the film. Um, Rye and I clearly love it, but you know, what one of the best things about this podcast and just about horror fandom, you know, we just we want to have a dialogue, and so reach out to us and tell us all your thoughts about the Doctor Sleep. Yes. 
And uh, yeah, so uh, right, uh, are we are we doing any more Stephen King? I mean, we're, we're, why stop now? <laughs> Pet Cemetery, uh, Cujo, Firestarter, blah 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 blah. As tempting as that is, um, our next episode is going to be in honor of St. Patrick's Day. Man, do we have a fucking treat for you. I, neither Chris nor I have seen this movie. We, we were looking at horror movies that weren't Leprechaun to watch around St. Patty's Day. And we found, Chris, do you remember how this movie was described? I, I, I honestly, it's been, I think it was, I, well, my brain, my brain's, dying right now i honestly don't remember what saint patrick's day movie we picked so, so we picked an irish movie uh an irish horror film from 2012 that was described something in the vein of tremors which made chris go nope this is it we're doing it called grabbers we have grabbers. no idea what this movie is about i'm so excited okay. so no we're pausing the stephen king train for right now Next week we are doing our our St. Patty's Day episode. We're doing grabbers. Beautiful, simply beautiful. I have no idea what the fuck this movie is gonna be. I, I'm excited. It sounds ridiculous. Well, well, you know how I feel about bad movies. I know, <laughs> I know. So I'm excited. Cool, awesome. Well, stay tuned for that train wreck. It's gonna be great. <laughs> and uh, don't forget. Stay
grass. <laughs> okay. Beautiful. Simply beautiful. Well, well, you know how I feel about bad movies. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Well, stay tuned for that train wreck. It's going to be great. And uh, don't forget, stay dreadful. Oh, my God. It's quarter after 12. Oh, no. Boo. Boo. No more work. <laughs> no more work after midnight. So bad. Uh, oh, I need to stop. Stop, Craig. Craig. Here we go. Craig, leave.
Okay, wait, hold on. 